Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Pardon My French. I am your host Ingrid Delamar Kenny, live from Monaco. First of all, I want to apologize for having not published too many podcast episodes. It's supposed to be a weekly episode. However, if you've been following me on Instagram, you know that I've been restructuring my business. We've opened two new locations, um, one operations uh, office, which I've showed you on Instagram, and I've pretty much restructured my whole um, operations. I've, you know, hired new staff, I've trained new staff, and I've even gotten my hands dirty and packed so many of your orders. Um, and that's been keeping me quite busy. Having to restructure and to size up is such a crazy exciting thing but it's also so scary the stakes are higher you're afraid to make mistakes um you get so comfortable in a small business um operation that when it's time to expand and size up it's pretty much something huge has to happen to you that forces you into it and you don't necessarily embrace it but it turns out Everything was for the best, and it's probably one of my boldest moves. Uh, I am so, so pleased. I've manifested an office location in a place I was dreaming of, but that seemed so impossible. And then um, at the very end of September, um, which marks the Jewish New Year for us, which is all about renewals and clean slates, that office came through and everything else with it. But I've been working overtime doing my job and the job of, you know, what my operations staff should be doing. However, being that everyone was new and I had to train them, I literally had to lead by example. And I haven't been able to um, provide as much content create as much content, publish as much content as I do usually because that's the part of my job that I had to put on hold while I was getting um, my affairs in order. Um, now everything is running smoothly, but I've discovered that I absolutely love having a handle on the operations aspect of my business, which I didn't have as much of a handle. I had a handle on a huge portion of it, but not the whole client service and the shipping department. And now I do. And I'm kind of rethinking my way of being involved as I absolutely loved being the one uh, looking at your orders going. I recognized some of your names on the labels and it was very empowering. So that is pretty much what has been happening. Um, and the reason why what I was trying to do is kind of justify um, why I haven't been as regular um, with uh, releasing podcast episodes. As you know, I don't really pre-record the episodes too much ahead of time. I'm trying to keep the episodes as current um, as, you know, um, I want them to be relevant as far as the current events. So if an event is happening, something is is occurring at the moment, like when there was the Gigi Cracker, um, you know, the story broke out about Gigi Crackers, then you heard it on episode 39. And it was all about gut health, because a lot of people started to have questions like, oh my gosh, I've been consuming a lot of Gigi Crackers, I have noticed some of the things that you've mentioned, and what can I do for my gut? So um, to, to make this short, it, it's important for me that when I 
you know, publish a podcast, it's done the same week it's going to be uh, released, just so it is really uh, staying relevant as far as the content that I release on Instagram, what I'm currently discussing, what's currently happening in my life. It's, it's probably the best way to keep the content so authentic. I really don't like listening to podcasts of people that I follow every day. And you can tell from listening to their newly released episode that the episode is no longer, um, you know, relevant to what their reality is that specific day or that specific week. And, you know, as far as, yeah, everybody is allowed to pre-record. I mean, it's difficult to record in real time and then release. Um, but in the way that I've decided to deal in my business, in, in the way that I've decided to deal with my audience, I wouldn't feel as transparent and authentic um, if my podcasts were, say, recorded a month ago. You could definitely tell, even from the sound of my voice, that, you know, things are not exactly the same. Um, and that would mean probably camouflaging uh, certain aspects of what was happening at the moment when I recorded it, because you definitely know that things have changed and things do change. And it's okay for them to change. I did a live not too long ago. Um, and I don't do too many lives. I really don't love doing them because unless I send an invite on Instagram and say, I'm going to go live at this time and that time, my time zone is so different from most of my audience's time zones, um, that not everybody catches it. And then it stays on for 24 hours. And if you go over 10 minutes short of putting it on YouTube, there's nowhere else to put it. So I feel like podcasting is probably best, but I did a live not too long ago. And of course there were questions about Inulin, there were questions about my hair, there was questions about you know, my skincare, um, about my new products, about being an EIP, which I will explain uh, in this episode again. And um, someone asked, um, you know, what is my best advice to stay relevant in business? And I think this is actually um, probably related to today's subject. We're going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Um, and I said, the way to be relevant in business, to stay relevant, is to not try to stay relevant. I really, truly hate when I watch content of someone that's been relevant um, and they feel like it's fizzling a little bit. And so they're working over time to continue to be relevant. So they go with trends or they keep on with the same story. I'll give you an example. Um, there was the whole Peacock story when I went to Marrakesh back in March. There was Peacocks in our hotel. I fell in love with Peacocks. Uh, and there was this whole joke going, no Peacock, no sex. And, um, and so the joke went on for months and it was really funny. And I was telling Gilles that I wanted a Peacock. And there's actually one episode of my podcast called No Peacock, No Sex, where Gilles comes on for the second time. So if you haven't heard it, you go listen to it. Um, the thing is, I wasn't going to keep going with the peacock. It was funny for a moment, but you know, like a joke 
business is exactly the same way. Like a joke, it's only funny for a moment. So it's, you know, it fizzled and I let it go. Then at some point, Gilles bought me an inflatable peacock. So the joke came back and everybody enjoyed it. And everybody started sending me photos and videos of peacocks in their backyards, like, or wherever they were, um, toy peacocks, whatever. My point is with business, you should not um, irrealistically try to stretch this 15 minutes of fame, whatever it is. Yes, you want to stay relevant, but I think the best way to stay relevant in today's business where people actually have an in, if you're smart enough to do that, um, into the behind the scenes of your business, like I've been showing on my Instagram, our new offices, how we're boxing the the, the merchandise, et cetera, et cetera. What is okay in business is to change. And I've changed. I used to eat GT crackers. I don't anymore. I changed my mind two years ago. I explained why. And I replaced it. I used to use sucrine, sugar, a lot. And I stopped to. And I substituted for coconut sugar, which I alternate with because I really change. And I think that to own change in your life and the way that it impacts your business, if your business is like mine, so the person that asked me was Bikini Junkie. So she uh, designs bikinis and um, she's going to be one of our retailers at some point also. Uh, she's in California. Um, so my advice to her was that it's okay to change. So let's say if something is changing in your life and you want to change the colors of your line, um, I'm just giving you an example um, because your mood is different then discuss that. Discuss that publicly with your audience, with your consumers and say, I'm changing. This and this happened and I'm not in the mood for pastels anymore. I'm in the mood for that. It will make your product relevant. So the people that bought the pastels from you may follow in your transition because they also change or you may leave them behind, but you will get the new people that this new set of colors is resonating with. The point is, instead of fighting to stay relevant, you should fight to stay true to yourself, to your changes, and to your audience. I want to stay transparent. I want to stay authentic. Um, but I know that these two words now are so overused and for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, I, I've been seeing on Instagram so much of, you know, the bloggers and um, that share some of their lives and and it's not always so realistic. I mean, they're unboxing Chanel boxes and they're, you know, showing you all these shoes and clothes that they actually get for free. Um, and some people write to them, oh my gosh, you're so open, so transparent, so authentic. And not so much. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, I, I can't even remember now why I got into this tangent. Oh, yeah, because I was explaining why I publish um, in real time. And so I don't have any backup episodes to publish for you guys to uh, release when I get too busy and I cannot record. Um, the idea, though, to, to answer um, 
Bikini Junkie's question on that live, the idea was to say it's okay to change and it's okay to share it with your audience. Uh, it will explain a lot of your changes in your business as well because if like me, you're a creator of things, like you you have your brand and you're, you know, whether you own a makeup brand or, you know, whether you're creating content, whatever it is you do, your life, your current events in your life are always going to affect your business. So I think that the key to staying relevant is to not try hard to stay relevant, but more to keep your life, um, whatever is happening in your life at the moment, to keep transparency as far as that's concerned. So your brand stays relevant of what's happening in your life. And that will definitely keep the momentum for you and your brand. Um, and like I said, you may lose the audience or the consumers you had previously because you can't keep them satisfied by constantly, you know, um, thriving to do exactly what you were doing. It's hard to stay relevant if you're doing that, especially because life changes and you change. My creativity changes so much. It doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing Simply in Yulin, um, but I've changed the jars, for example, and I explained why when I did it. Um, I explained that, you know, my thing is to um, release fast and then adjust later. And so that's what I've done with a lot of my brand. I've also listened to my audience. So I think that would be my second advice also is to really listen to your consumers and audience. There's a lady that sent a message to us uh, via email and I get copied on all these emails. I absolutely want to hear what everyone has to say. And she is an EIP, which is our extremely important person's um, membership. So the EIPs, if you listen to the previous podcast, episode 39, um, which it was just launched at the time we launched it in July, the EIPs once a month uh, get an auto-renewal of their original Simply Inulin, so our regular jar, and they get full-size gifts, always two full-size gifts. And if you look at the listing on the website, it has a pretty box, um, which is card box, but you can tell from the picture, uh, with palm trees on it, which is, you know, the, the palm leaves, which is a kind of like our signature when it comes to our thank you cards to you guys or some of our packaging. Um, it's, it's also the theme of our Simply Protein Fibre Protein Powder. Um, and so this lady says, hi, I love the content of my EIP box, but I'm very disappointed in the packaging. I really thought I was getting a pretty box. And this, the, the person that answered her for my staff um, answered, you know, a bit in a defensive way, I think, because when I read the answer, I was like, no, 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 I want to hear what this person has to say. It's okay. Uh, but everyone's been pretty happy. Like, so everyone's been so excited finding the packaging so cute. And what it is, what it is, is we have to keep the packaging somewhat functional because it's traveling to the United States and it's traveling through the United States Postal Service once it transits from France to the United States. And the USPS lately has been destroying our boxes. Like, I'm so upset about that. Like we've been getting really a ratio 
of damage on the boxes that is unacceptable if you ask me. So we've, we've really had to, to rethink our packaging as far as our boxes, not so much our jars, um, because of the way that they abuse the package. And it, it's coming a long way for sure. Um, and so the, the, the representative, the, not even the representative, I don't have fucking representative. Who the fuck do I think I am? Bloomingdale's? No. The the staff member that answered her um, just said, you know, everyone's been loving our the little sleeve that we put on it. We, we got these beautiful sleeves. Some of them are black, shiny black. Some of them are shiny pink. And these are palm leaf theme. And it has a big white and black um, square set that says EIP Luxe Box. And I mean, it's it's pretty pretty when you open it. The way that I created this packaging is, okay, well, if I'm an EIP and I am, um, I am actually, I have a membership like that with Net-A-Porter and we'll speak about Net-A-Porter very soon because we have, we have exciting, we have exciting news. Um, what would I want to see? Like what would make me happy? And I thought, well, recognizing the, you know, the, the palm tree leaf for sure something shiny something that says lux and definitely the content like beautiful content and so the staff member that answered it, this lady said well you know uh, we weren't gonna send maybe the picture made it look like the box would be something that you you keep and you can use to put I don't know like your sewing kits or whatever but that's really not what the IP box was about. It was just about, you know, pretty sticker on a box. Or in this case, we, we made a pretty sleeve. And we've been changing the packaging, keeping the palm leaf uh, theme going. But every month, we kind of change the box a little bit. And so she said, am I mistaken? Is it the first EIP box you get? The box is not so nice. Um, and the staff member said, no, that's the box. This, we change boxes every month, but you're still going to get card box or, you know, paper box, whatever it is, inside the shipping box. Um, and we have had no complaints. And it's actually super important that I got copied on this email that my staff sent it to me and, you know, let me see it. Um, of course, you take a step back and you're like, shit, I thought it was really nice. Everybody's like kind of, you know, telling me they love it. I hope everyone's telling me the truth. Uh, but this one person was disappointed and she say, she was saying like, if there's a nice box, please make sure I get it next time. And so I, um, you know, and I think our next box this month, this month is beautiful. And uh, I think I featured it a few days ago. It's black and it has the beautiful EIP um, sticker still on it. So it's it's just different every month. The one she got was the white card box with a beautiful sleeve around um, with the theme and the logo and all of that. Um, but it made me think and I, I'm not going to change it because that was never, I, we want to give value. The EIP box is really about the content and not sending samples. Samples is something that upsets me. I hate samples. When company spend so much money on their packaging and they send you this huge box as a gift supposedly because you're one of their VIPs and then you open the box and you get not a full-size product but a sample. I find it fucking offensive. I hate samples. 
Um, that's why we don't have samples, by the way. Uh, and when you do buy, for example, uh, a, a fucking beautiful rose oil, we also have a small pack of um, travel rose oil. And a lot of people are mistaken and think that those are samples. They are not. Each vial, there's two vials in the pack of uh, to-go fucking beautiful rose oil. Each vial is 14 milliliters, which makes it 28 milliliters in this little pack. And that's exactly what is in our bottle, in a regular size rose oil bottle. So long story short, what we put in the IP was all in the value. And when we calculated the price, we wanted it. We wanted to give value to our to our customers that decided to go for the membership. And so obviously there's so much money that goes into packaging, even if you want to make it pretty but practical to ship overseas. I looked at this email and it's definitely going to make me rethink something. I don't know what. Definitely not what this person was hoping for it's not going to be a box that you can keep i'm not you know the container shop um if you want a nice box go buy it on amazon or wherever but that was constructive criticism and i have to think that if she felt confused or she felt that way maybe i need to go look at the description of my product and say something like you know this is a paper box on the picture because it may look like i don't know a leather box or a wooden box i i'm not sure um, but what's important is to listen to your audience and not take what they say. I mean, you welcome the compliments. You should welcome the constructive criticisms as well. And for me, it's been important. And this is why, for example, we've changed our seal stickers. Some people were saying that their jars were arriving almost open. Um, and I figured why not? A cuter still sticker because people tend to leave it on the lid. Um, there's a few, th- there's a lot of things I adjusted with my products from listening to my audience, and I think this is what has kept me relevant with existing consumers. And of course, it brought new consumers because it attracted people that maybe were not attracted to the product or whatever value I was um, putting out there whether with product or or content. And now the changes made for the audience and the consumers I was listening to actually appeal to a new audience. So I think that's the way to be relevant, to stay relevant. It's to not try to stretch that 15 minutes of of fame um, by keeping on, you know, hammering the same nail. Uh, it, It gets old. Today, change... I mean, it's crazy. It goes so fast. Look at the iPhone. Look at, you know, anything. I mean, we went from, look at what, where we went from. We went from, um, we went from Facebook to Instagram and then from Instagram to Instagram stories. It's like something is going to happen next. It's like it's going so fast. And so trying to, to stay in the same place with your product or whatever it is you're selling your service and thinking that you're going to stretch that relevance is is wrong. You need to move fast and you need to move faster than your industry. And this is what I do. Um, I do it also because I'm someone who has no patience uh, whatsoever in the, sense, in the sense that I also get bored really fast. So I assume that if I get bored really fast, my consumers will get bored really fast. And now from this subject... Um, 
I'm going to move on to the actual subject of this podcast, which has been, I think, requested, or I should say necessary. When I transitioned my whole business in September, so this past September, um, first I brought Savannah to law school in London and I moved her into her new flat. And so I shared how, you know, I was, I was flying to London and how we went to buy her pots and pans and bed sheets and, you know, furniture and all that stuff. Um, and then I went back the following week to move Dylan back into his new flat because he's lived in London already. He's going into his second year of law school and so he needed a refresh on a few things, you know, Tupperware and his utensils and new bedding, new towels. You know, I wanted to refresh everything for him. And then as this was happening, um, my business needed restructuring. And I was starting to get emails from um, my administrator saying this is happening and it's time. So literally, it was a huge slap in my face because I was going through this emotional roller coaster of not losing one kid, but two kids to London and knowing that I was going to come home to our new puppy, Seven, <laughs> and uh, who I've shared so many pictures of and so many videos of. And, you know, Seven did not come um, did not come by coincidence at this time. We got Seven because Dakota was waiting for me at home as well. And I knew it was going to be hard for her uh, being that she, you know, is so close to Dylan and especially to Savannah. Um, and I knew that that was going to be tough for her. But as I was traveling uh, to move my kids into their flats and back into law school, um, I was getting news from my administrator that my business needed restructuring, um, that I needed to rethink um, some positions in my staff, which I make very quick decisions. So I, you know, didn't want to, I'm, I'm a Libra. I am someone that loves stability. And sometimes when I find a comfortable situation and I may see that things are not right and they need change, I may push the change, um, you know, to a later time. And it's not that I procrastinate, but it's because I know that if I am going to restructure or let go of an employee or hire a new employee, I am going to devote myself 110% to training this new employee or whatever. And I knew that by doing this restructuring um, that was necessary and at that point was urgent, um, I knew that it was going to rock my boat uh, in the sense that I would not be able to podcast, I would not be able to record videos for the virtual platform, I would not be able to do my part of this job because I, I had to go and do other people's jobs, like whoever I was going to be training, whoever, you know, I was replacing. Um, and so knowing that, September, you've watched me pretty much go from moving the kids into London, coming back and right off the bat, um, showing that I was packing boxes, which I've literally never done. I didn't even do it when I launched Simply in Yulin and we started to ship. And that was an error. I mean, I did some of it like I, I set up, you know, at very first 
um, I found our shipper. I'm the one who found, you know, the company that 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 ships for us. I'm the one who negotiated the rates. This is insight into my business I'm giving you. And I hope it's not boring for those of you that, you know, usually tune in to hear about health and fitness and wellness. Um, but this has to do a lot with mental health, I think, and wellness. Um, and for the listeners that ask me about my productivity and how I do it all and, you know, how I manage to, these people that ask me, like, do you, do you sleep? And um, so th- this is this part of my answer. So I shared on Instagram pretty much the whole process of the backstage of my operation as it was. And when I got back from London, I made very quick decisions. I'm a very quick thinker. I don't procrastinate. Once I'm told what I have to do or I see that something is necessary Um, I will act fast. And I did. And it's very, very scary to do, but it's also probably the best way to do it. Um, I showed on Instagram that I was packing boxes, that we were shipping. Then I showed us moving into one of our offices and then the following week into our other office. Um, And literally, I think it came across on those stories how much I was working. Um, And I started to get all these messages like, do you even sleep? And then, of course, I continued storying um, my meals every night. I still cook for my family. That's not going to stop. We didn't we weren't going to order takeout. Um, Jill cooks occasionally and he did this Friday. But, you know, it's my role as a mother is to cook. I love to do it. It makes me feel like I'm the woman of the house. So it's something that I, cooking is something that I do for me. This is how I transmit my love and care for my children. So we have Dakota at home for Gilles. uh, And this is how I make home feel like home for my family. Um, It's important that we sit at dinner. So everyone's watching. And then even one of my close friends who's actually older than me and who I admire. And if she's listening, she knows who she is. Uh, she's the CEO of an amazing cosmetic company. She sent me a message and said, I need to know. I'm, I'm, I need to know how you are not tired. And I'm not going to go into details of our conversation because a lot of it was private. We're very close friends. So, you know, um, she went in depth. And so, of course, in, in my answer to her, I went in depth. Um, but my answer to her was, I am tired. And I don't sleep very much just because I'm not a, I'm not a sleeper. I never was. So I sleep about six hours per night, eight hours on the weekends. But when I do sleep about eight hours, never more than that, I can't. Um, I wake up groggy. So it really has an effect on my my mind when I sleep too much so for me that's oversleeping so this is why I don't like the preconceived rules and even if they're medical like oh everyone needs to get eight hours of sleep beauty sleep you see me I don't have dark circles this is the right amount of sleep for me so six hours is how much I sleep sometimes I could sleep a little less and at that point I will be extremely tired um but I have ways throughout the day of lowering my cortisol and saving energy. So after her question, the fact that it was coming from her, who's literally my queen, 
someone I admire so much in everything she achieves and what she's done for her daughters and, you know, her business and, you know, how she handles and carries herself. Um, I was like, too many people are asking the same question. I need to really share a little bit of this. And I created this post um, that that resonated with so many of you. It resonated with so many of you and it was literally about being on energy saving mode. And so I'm going to talk about it again and I'm going to go from there and give you probably my best tips on how you can save your energy. The first thing I said um, is how do I have the energy to do it all? I'm on energy saving mode every single day and I truly am. Now you need to realize that some of this is going to make me sound like I'm an asshole or I'm not sociable or, you know, I don't care about a lot. But you have to realize that I've become this way mainly because I've gone to prison and I was incarcerated for a year. And I'm not trying to run this story, you know, like I said, stretch the story for its 15 minutes of, of, of fame. Not at all. The fact that I went to prison has affected a lot of who I am today. I could not be the person that I am today if I had not gone through that. So it does come up in so many conversations, you know, when someone asks me about, you know, my habits or the way that I am or the way that I act. A lot of it has to do with what I've lived in the past. Like you, you would say I'm this way because in my childhood, this and this happened or this and this was taught to me. Um... And so it's important to, you know, that, that I explain that the fact that I've been to, to prison, um, when, when you come out of something like that, you end up being like, I'm only going to give energy to what really matters. Because when you're behind bars, and my book comes out um, before the end of the year, so I speak about this so much and I explain it. But when this comes out, when, when you come out, sorry, you pretty much feel like your life has passed you by. And you've probably like people that said they got close to death and they see their whole life before their eyes. It's very much like that when you start realizing you're incarcerated and you're not incarcerated for three days. Um, and so coming out of that automatically you change as a person. I know I did. And there's a lot of things that I was like, that I started acting like life is too short. Time is currency. You know, time is, is, is gold. Like it's literally gold. So this is what's made me this way. And for me, it's made me very productive. It's made me super power productive. Like, so I'm going to share it. And for some of you, it may not work because it's not your personality, but there are some things that I will say that you will be able to adjust to your personality and your temperament, um, and they can still work. So my number one, I never answer phone calls unless they are scheduled. And I'll tell you why. I feel like a phone call, just randomly calling somebody, to me is like someone coming to interrupt my day in my office without an appointment or my day at home ringing the bell um, without being invited. And no one does that anymore. I don't think 
I mean, unless you're retired and like your neighbors and you just go ring your neighbor's door because you like to go have coffee with her and you know she's doing nothing. Um, but for us, you know, active people that are working, it's very unlikely that you will be home and one of your friends or acquaintances is going to come and ring your bell. And when you open the door, they're going to let themselves in and they're going to proceed to having a conversation with you and stopping you in whatever you're doing. To me, that's what a phone call is like. And it's extremely disruptive to my goals and my concentration for the day. So I don't necessarily make a list of my goals and what I need to achieve in a day because I find that I don't like lists. But I do have a little notebook, not a calendar. Uh, I do have a little notebook with reminders. And when I um, am finished doing those things for the day, that means I have nothing else that I need to concentrate on. So it's not so much like a to-do list that's going to stress me out because I can't complete it. They're just gentle reminders. And when I am done with them, I fold that page like a, like a marker, uh, like a bookmarker, uh, like a bookmark kind of, uh, in a triangle. And it's just so nice because for me, mentally, it creates space in my brain. When I see that that page is folded in a, bo- as, in a bookmark way um, as a triangle, and the list could have only three things in it. I'm not going to go add to it because I'll be like, oh, I have more time now, I can add more things because I've, I've done this. No, I just, I really limit what I have to do in a day to what is really important. So for me, if I answer a phone call that was not scheduled, it's going to disrupt me completely. Um, and for me, having a call from a number that I know or that I don't know is literally the same as having someone walk into my office unannounced or someone um, walk in on an appointment unannounced or someone on a meeting, I mean, or someone ringing my bell while I'm at home um, at any time without being invited. Um, Number two, my phone is always on silent. It's on silent all day, so it vibrates. And so very often I will miss a call. Um... And that's okay, because if it was scheduled, I would be waiting for it. And so I will answer it. If it wasn't scheduled, chances are I don't always have my phone on me. It's on my desk or it's on the counter at home. It will vibrate and I will not hear it. The only time my phone actually rings is when my kids call. I have a setup on my phone that when my kids or she'll call me, then I will answer the phone. The funny part is, that they almost don't call me. Dakota, Dylan, and Savannah will usually send me a text, um, send me a voice message, like a voice note. I don't listen to my to my voicemail. Um, and they'll tell me where they are. They tell me what they're doing. Dakota tells me she got out of school or whatever. And if it's really important, like something urgent, then they'll call me. And often Savannah, for example, now that she's in London, she'll send a text and she'll be like, hey, mom, um, how are you? Nothing's important. I just want to chat. When can we talk? Is one hour okay? Or I'll be in class in two hours. Do you think we can speak before? And I will be more than happy, of course, for her, for my kids, for Gilles. 
um, and definitely for my mom. Um, although my mom also knows that I don't also I don't always answer the phone. You know, she lives in Miami. I live in Monaco. So sometimes with the time zone and stuff, she will get me right in, you know, the heart of my day. And it's unless it's urgent then I'll, you know, I'll say, mom, I'm going to have to call you back. But my phone is always, always on silent. I also find that the ringing constantly for notifications and stuff is really bad for my cortisol. Um, and if you don't know what cortisol is because you're catching this episode for the first time, um, then I would suggest still, you know, listen to some episodes like the first ones. Um, you'll find that a lot of what I say in my latest episodes is really relevant if you've listened to previous episodes and things that I may speaking be speaking about in this episode um, that are not so familiar to you will make sense. Um, but cortisol is pretty much your stress hormone. Um, I'm going to sum it up uh, a little bit. Uh, and when we say stress, it's not necessarily anxiety, fights you're having with people. It has a lot to do with sounds, with digestion, with how much sunlight you get per day or daylight, I should say, because not everybody gets sunlight, uh, your environment, it's a lot of things that come into play with cortisol, you know, the, the workout that you choose, whether you're doing high impact, high intensity, high density, I mean, so, so much. And for me, the phone ringing sounds is one of them. So noise to me is definitely one of them. Um, and I have, I've written a whole post about it. Um, the noises very often can induce so much in our body, including very noisy places. And I've, I've written a post about that. But I also think that I mentioned it in, um, I think, my cortisol schmortisol episode. Um, but I'll say it again, because I think it's important. Noise is something that can even induce craving carbs as crazy as that sounds. When I lived in New York, I used to go to Bagatelle for lunch and we really liked it. It was it was for brunch. It was uh, when the brunch craze really took over New York City at the time. And so we would go. And what happens is that at some point, they get this day party started and it becomes extremely noisy. Like by 2 p.m., 3 p.m., everyone's arrived for the brunch. Um, and it's, it's a big space and they are so many people. So everyone is speaking. You hear, you know, the plates and the forks and knives in the kitchen. I mean, you, you hear so many hustle and bustles in the kitchen and, um, you know, the bruaha and all of that stuff. And I noticed then, um, that I wanted fries and I wanted pasta. Like it really made me hungry for carbs. And later on, when I started specializing in hormones um, and, and took some classes about hormones to get my fitness certification, I put two and two together and logically understood that when your cortisol levels rise, you crave carbs and noise, a lot of noise during a meal will cause your ghrelin hormone which is your hunger hormone to act up and it will get your leptin hormone, which is your satiation hormone to no longer respond to being fed, meaning 
when the leptin hormone is not balanced because your cortisol levels are high, you start not only um, resisting insulin, but you also keep craving carbs. And that has to do with cortisol level rising. And the ghrelin hormone, the hunger hormone, is raging at that point. So long story short, the noise of the phone is one thing that you can definitely do and that you could definitely deduct from your day to not get your cortisol to rise. When your cortisol is rising, your brain functions are not as good. You are not as alert. So you will be less productive. So you want to make sure if you need to be productive, if you're one of these people that wonders or asked me, oh, Ingrid, how are you so productive? How do you do it all? And you don't have any dark circles under your eyes. You never look tired. I am on energy saving mode. One of them is to deduct as much noise as I can from my day. So I start my day very quiet. My kids know, and they've been children. They've been allowed to run around. They've been allowed to do a lot. But one thing I always did with them was like, shh, the noises, please keep the noise down. And so as a result, my household is very quiet. We have dogs, we have a rabbit. There are three children that were extremely active, that share their every day with us that, you know, but we do it in a quiet chic French way, like chic people, you know, but I should say French people, not chic, not that all French people are chic or not noisy. Some of them uh, can be quite obnoxious too. It, it exists in every, you know, nation and culture, but in general, France is very quiet and they often find, especially in the South of France, uh, when there are American tables next to us and stuff, you will hear French people complain about how loud Americans are. And I do think that Americans in general, you know, are larger than life. And so it means very, very expressive, like, oh, my God, how are you? And a French person will not be monotone, but they'll be more like, oh, bonjour, comment ça va? Like much more subtle. And this actually plays a huge role on the cortisol and on your, producti your productivity. Um, it definitely affects brain function, so an energy level, even anxiety. Um, my number three, I don't do phone conversations except for my mom and kids. So I'll tell you, when I do the podcast, especially when I do a solo episode, I am doing it on a day that I either at the end of my day or on a day um, that I'm not working. Uh, even though I work a little bit every day, but why? After the podcast, I am spent. Speaking takes a lot of energy for me and a lot of thinking because I pay attention to what I say. So I'm not very talkative. Throughout the day, I actually work with my staff in the same space. I have an office and I'm never in it. It's actually our podcast studio because it's sound, it's soundproof. One, our office currently the the one where I'm staying and that I manifested because it's so it's set in such a beautiful area and it's just so full of light and the sea view. Um, but the it used to be um, 
an editing studio for a movie production company. So, um, and for a, a very well-known, my landlord, a very well-known movie director. Uh, and so she had this recording studio in the back uh, for editing some of her movies. And so now we have a soundproof recording studio, podcast studio, but it's also a gorgeous office. And the door is, you know, it's it's glass, it's a window. So that's supposed to be my office. Uh, and I have a beautiful desk and a beautiful comfy chair there, but I like to share the space with my staff. And that can be a lot of energies mixed together because in that office, we can be five or six people at a time. Although most days I make sure that I send some of them to the other office. So we're not all in the same space at the same time. But I like to be with my staff. I like to hear and see what's happening, especially after the restructuring that, you know, we've just, um, we've just we've just gone through, um, it's become so important for me to really see every part of my business, every aspect of my business. So that's now taking part of my productivity away, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely beneficial for the business. So it's, it's definitely something I had to make, to make room for in my day. Um, but what I do is in the office, we don't have phones that ring. Everybody that has a phone line has it, you know, um, clutched to their to their um, their waist, so with a clip on, and their phone buzzes, and they can then answer the phone. Um, but because we don't have customer service lines, or if, you know, we have a, we have a phone number where people call us. Um, we give most of the support via email. So phone calls is really for like very important questions or someone who must absolutely speak to us at that time or, you know, an issue with the delivery at the moment or whatever. But um, the phones don't ring in the office constantly. And um, we keep it pretty quiet. Um, and I don't speak a lot unless I have to. So I won't be engaging in conversations about, you know, somebody's birthday dinner or whatever I'll politely ask someone how was your birthday or whatever but I won't be chit-chatting all day um, I'm not a chit-chatter you would never know from listening to this podcast uh, but I uh, actually save my energy by speaking less and so that's why very often I will not go for coffee with a friend on a work day uh, because I know that it will take away from my productivity, uh, from my clarity. Speaking for me is something that I save, and I save for saying what matters. Um, so I'm not very talkative. I don't do phone conversations. Obviously, I speak to my mom. She's in Miami, but uh, I won't have a one-hour conversation with her every day. Um, even though I miss Dylan and Savannah so, so much, they also know we do FaceTime, we catch up, whatever, but we keep the big, big, long conversations for, um, either we text each other a lot or we keep it for when we see each other and we usually see each other every two weeks. So, um, I know it sounds insane, but they know I don't like to speak on the phone. So we do the FaceTime catching up. I love to see their beautiful faces and, you know, but no, 
I mean, Dylan loves to try and stretch the conversation so long. He loves to talk. And very often I'm like, Dylan, 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 stop. You've, you've, you've gone over time with me. Like I'm not paying attention even anymore. I, I just can't. I don't like conversing very much. I, um, I always surprise myself when I go out with friends that I absolutely love at night. And she looks at me and he's like, oh my God, you spoke all night. Like you have fever and it's like, actually at that point, I enjoyed it so much because I never do. And it's like, that means I'm really bonding with the person, but I can't do it during my week. I don't take on my product. I, I don't, um, I do not gamble my energy during the work week on things like that. It's literally that my energy is currency and I just have to be so careful with it. So I know it sounds crazy, but not very talkative. Um, my number four, I don't meet people for coffee or lunch unless there's a purpose, personal or business purpose. And I just explained why. Because constantly, constantly meeting someone for lunch or for coffee during a work week uh, is going to take away from my productivity. Definitely. And so I save that. And very often I will go to lunch with Gilles. Um, the purpose is that we love to bond. But the great thing with Gilles is we can have very light conversation, but we can also like be super silent for a moment. He knows I'm not very talkative and he's not either. Um, but somehow we still communicate so, so much. And also like he speaks in a very low voice, very French that way. And that's really, really nice. But other than that, other than that, um, other than that, I really like don't do lunch or coffee very often uh, for this reason. It's a way of literally saving myself. Um, five, I don't get sucked up in other people's drama um, or problems. I can be a good friend if someone is having a problem, but I can tell you now my friends that I've had for many, many years know me well enough um, to not call me during a work week with their problems. I mean, unless it's something huge, you know, I have a friend, her, it, um, the mom just, you know, got, got cancer. And so of course they called and I supported as much as I could. And, um, you know, him and his wife, and he's a good friend, but, um, so that's something I would obviously get sucked up in and it will totally shamble my energy, but I, you, you have to make exceptions. But in regular life, I don't get sucked up in people's drama. Very often, if there is an argument between people in my family and they call me and try to suck me up, it will never work. I'll literally hang up the phone after two minutes or not answer the phone at all and then they'll you know, start on WhatsApp. And when I see what it's about, I'm like, great, bye. I do not get sucked up in people drama. In not even in my own drama, I really, really like, try to not give it energy. Um, and when I say that, I'm not talking about, you know, energetic energy, I'm talking about, you know, seeing my energy as a currency. And that drama or gossip or negativity is definitely going to suck up my productivity and you know some of my health so I just leave it aside um I don't associate nor, nor speak to a lot of people every day 
I keep my scope small so I can concentrate. For me, that's a very big one. And that's where I think a lot of people find me a social, not sociable. And they would be right. Um, I have a very small circle of friend, of friends. Um, but also the friends that I have, that have that have remained, I've lost friends over this, um, understand that we won't speak every day. I don't speak to my best friend every day. He knows it. My best friend, Eric, you guys see him all the time. I think the fact that he's a man makes this aspect of friendship much easier because women need more of the contact and communication. He doesn't. He's very confident in our friendship. And he knows that even if I don't call him for 15 days and it's happened, um, that I still adore him and love him and I'm there for him if he needs. Uh, but by the same token, summers for him are crazy because he you know, he uh, has restaurants and so he works at night and summer is huge in Monaco when you're in the restaurant business. Uh, and so I won't hear from him for like a while. And some, some, sometimes he'll send a little heart WhatsApp, like just, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Um, but we don't, I, I don't remember speaking on the phone with Eric um, more than three minutes because I'm parking and telling him I'm coming or this and that happened to me and that's it um or for my birthday or his birthday then it will be a phone call but my friends actually know that about me I don't associate so so much with them I don't see my friends all the time I don't speak to them all the time and I've lost friendships over that they are friends that don't understand that that you can be in touch all the time and I it's just how I am and the fact that I don't surround myself with too many people um, and that I don't associate with too many people during the week um, is actually a great energy saver for me. It like it literally is, you know, my energy saving mode um, tool. Um, another one is when I am faced with a, an issue. Um, I wait out everything that I'm faced with, whether it's an issue, whether it's, you know, a question, something I'm supposed to be doing or I'm asked to, to do. Um, I wait out everything that I'm faced with by asking myself, will it matter in six months? If the answer is no, or will it matter in a year? And the answer is no, then I dismiss it right away. And I do this a lot. So whatever comes up, even drama with copy cow, like she's copied me about something. I will only give it energy when I see that it's going to matter in a year. The fact that, you know, she would try, she has, and I took care of it. Uh, but to copy my packaging, of course it will matter in a year. I don't want my product confused for hers. Of course, it will matter in six months. So yeah, I gave it energy until I took care of it. And then I never gave it energy again. And that's why very often when you hear me ranting about someone or something, I usually never name them, but you hear the rant or you see it or I post something without naming. I never name. Um, you are like, why are you giving this energy? And I do get that question very often. I'm like, because this is something that's going to keep on happening. So I give it energy once. I put it out there. I rant about it, I put it public, hoping that the person will see it and then realize and stop. Um, but once I put it out there and I deal with something, I also never look back to just gossip about it or complain about it. 
Um, and that's very important. So for me, it's like the main question when faced with an issue, a request, a problem is, will it matter in a year? No. Will it matter in six months? No. Then I just dismiss it. And I dismiss it in the most polite way if I have to, uh, but I dismiss it. And one other one, and I mentioned that on the post I made on Instagram, I am not a curious person at all. I don't go out of my way to find shit out. Um, I don't care about or to know stuff about others that doesn't do anything for me. I'm really, really not curious. I don't go out of my way to find stuff out unless it is to benefit me, my business, my children, my livelihood, my life, my dogs, whatever. Um, but other than that, I am absolutely not curious. Um, and I do think that, you know, curiosity kills the cat for sure. Uh, and for us being inquisitive, curious, you know, watching someone and wanting to know more about their life and trying to find out exactly in what place they are. I've had people zoom on pictures to figure out like what's a little uh, knob right behind me and asking. And I'm like, dude, if you're like zooming on pictures, trying to figure out what a knob behind me is or what a candle name is or whatever, you have problems. Like you have a very high cortisol problem and probably your productivity is definitely amputated by that curiosity of yours. So for me, not being curious is really a great tool in saving my energy. And again, when we speak about energy saving mode, I'm not talking about energetic stuff I'm talking about energy like being tired or being you know or the opposite of being tired very very important one big thing and the last thing I will say about this is the power of no the power of no is something that I have learned um, and the minute that I've learned to say no is when I started seeing my success shift. And I'm also talking about saying no to myself. I used to be this perfectionist, do it all, wanting to do it all. And I've learned to say no to myself, like no Ingrid, you will not do this today or no Ingrid, this will not be that way. I've learned to say no. And so this is pretty much what I'm going to devote the last portion of this podcast to. I think this is the best energy saving tool that you can have, that you should cultivate, that you should learn to master. There are a few tricks that I've used because it's not easy. Um, and very often we are taught that to be a good person, you have to be a yes man. No. People think to focus means saying yes to the thing you've got to focus on. But that's not what it means at all. It means saying no to the hundred other good ideas that there are. You have to pick carefully. And that was not my motto. It is Steve Jobs, but it's very similar to what I am preaching here. There's an important balance to strike. Saying no doesn't mean you never do anything interesting or innovative or it's spontaneous. It doesn't mean that you're close-minded to people's ideas, um, but it means that you say yes in a focused way.
So saying no is definitely um, something that I want to speak about. And I will give you a few tricks on how to say no, how I say no. Um, I am no longer a yes man. And I used to be mostly to myself. Um, but for me, the best productivity hack, you know, and energy saving mode um, tool is definitely saying no. Um, and you must have heard it. A lot of people have spoken about it. Steve Jobs has spoken about it um, with what I, I just quoted before. Um, but you need to remember, this, it, it's really not a hard programming. Everything else I mentioned, I said, is not going to be for everybody else. You know, if you are used or you need to be talkative every day, then my hack is not going to be fantastic for you or it's going to be hard for you to implement or you're going to have to go um, about it really slowly. Um, but no is actually the fastest code. There's no code faster than the no code, for sure. Um, and it, it really applies to every areas of your life. Uh, there's no meeting that can go faster than not having a meeting at all. So that's also a way of saying no. I'm not saying that you will never attend another meeting, but the truth is we as human beings often say no to things we don't want to do. And the fact that I went to prison and I didn't want to be there, but there was absolutely no freedom for me to not be there. I promised myself that whenever I would come out and I thought I was doing four years, I had appealed, but my original sentence was four years. So I promised to myself that I would never do one thing again that I don't want to do. And that even goes with, it's going to offend some people for me. I don't go to weddings, too many weddings. I go to, to weddings um, occasionally, the ones that matter the most, but I don't love weddings. Don't ask me why. Um, it's something that I don't like to spend energy on. Um, I don't like a lot of, um, in Monaco, we have a lot of these balls and a lot of uh, these functions. I hate functions. So I hardly ever go to them. I think the only function you saw me going to this whole year was the pink ribbon because it's a cause uh, that I believe in. It's a cause that Gilles, have, Gilles has supported since before he met me and that I've supported since I met him and that I became passionate about. It's organized by a very close friend of mine. Um, and, you know, and it's something that I actually want to do and I go with my heart. But I never, ever show up to something that I don't want to show up to. If I say I don't feel like it, then I don't go. At the cost of offending people. But at that point, it's choosing to put myself first and it is saving my energy. Since I'm not a sleeper, since I need to do a million things and I need to cook dinner at the end of the day after having done my million things, one thing I could do for my health and for my mental health is to say no to things I don't want to do. So I'm not saying you shouldn't attend weddings, but if there's a wedding you don't feel like going to, unless it's your sisters or your brother, could be a cousin, could be whatever, find a reason and don't go. 
of course, if it's going to stress you that it didn't go and that your mother may call you and fall really hard on you and then the family is going to, you know, um, is going to ostracize you or whatever and that's going to be a problem for you, then don't do that. I actually couldn't care what people's reaction is going to be. So it's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect my energy. It's not going to affect my cortisol levels. Uh, what the repercussions of me not showing up to a wedding are going to be. The bottom line is, for me, I have prioritized the fact that I need my whole head. I need my creativity. I need my productivity to do what my mission is in life, which is take care of my family in every way that I can and that I know how and that I want to and, you know, have a successful business and being able to be as productive as possible in my day without running myself thin health-wise, so not be exhausted. So I see this as, you know, um, preserving myself, preserving my health. And at the end of the day, if you're going to care a lot what people say, the fact that you didn't show up, the fact that you said no, you are not preserving yourself, worrying about what people say about your actions and actions that you take um, in an effort to preserve your health and preserve the productivity that you need to earn a living while staying sane, then fuck these people. They're not caring about you. But if you're going to care about what they say, this is where you need to start. And that I have no trick for. Um, not caring what people think of you is something that I practice intuitively and definitely because I've decided that my priority is my children and my husband um, and my family, my household. And when I say family, I'm talking about my immediate family. I could not care about fights between my brothers and sisters if there are any. I'm not saying there are. I could not care what my cousin thinks. I could not care what my aunt uh, feels about the fact that I didn't show up to a wedding. Um, those are all examples. And that may make me sound like an asshole. I told you at the beginning, I, I, I'm going to sound like an asshole, but I couldn't care because my priority is my kids and it's me staying healthy for my kids and staying healthy, sane, productive to be able to take care of them. So it's really a question of priority. And at this point, if you don't know how to say no, if you don't know or you can't say no, or you're like, oh, no, no, this makes me into a real asshole. If you care more about not appearing to be an asshole than preserving your productivity, then I hope you're not one of these people that send me a message saying, how do you manage to do it all and looking so fresh in the morning? Because that's my only answer. And if you, you know, if you expected any other answer from me, like somebody asked me an under eye circle therapy, and I'm like, food and preservation. And her answer was like, preservation what? Like, what's the cream? And I'm like, no, no, it's not a cream. It's good nutrition. Dark circles under your eyes is from the gut. So make sure that you have prebiotic food, fiber, inulin helps, fatty acids, you know, um, and preserve yourself. Say no, you know, and follow my tips on being on energy saving mode. Um. So for me in business, I do say no a lot. Uh, a lot of people offer unsolicited advice um, 
and I refuse to just listen to it and they think that I'm stubborn and that I think I know it all. Not at all, but I have my eye on the ball. I've decided that the only people I will take advice from is my audience, my consumers, because I am aiming to please my audience and my consumers, not anyone else. Um, so I will listen to their remarks, their constructive criticism, their needs, their wants. Um, but I often say no to unsolicited advice because it takes away from my headspace. It takes away from my concentration and definitely takes away from my energy. So I also say no to unsolicited information. They are things I don't need to know. They are things I do not want to know. I really keep my headspace very, very empty so it can have room for what I need to be productive, creative, um, and make decisions as well. Um, how often do people ask you to do something and you just reply, yes. And then three days later, you're overwhelmed by how much you have to do. And you're super frustrated by your obligations, even though you are the one who said yes. This used to happen to me all the time. It still does once in a while. And very often it's because I said yes to one of my kids. Because um, I do say yes to my kids. They, they're the ones that I have a, the hardest time applying this rule of thumb uh, for. But when they were small, however, I did say no to them a lot. Um, because if not, you become this parent who is sleep deprived, exhausted, overwhelmed, and you end up screaming at them and yelling at them and not being a good parent anyway. So I still do that. Even with Dakota, she can ask for a lot of things at the same time, especially on vacation. She wants to do this. She wants to do that. And I just have to be very stern and say no to, you know, maybe 60% of what she's asking to do. And it's not that she's a demanding child. She's just a child. Um, she sees me doing a lot and she figures we can add more to the list you know and so it becomes the list that keeps on growing so I've even learned to say no to her and I have a ratio I'm like you know what on the 100% of things she's asking for I will give her 30% unless of course it's vital like she needs a pair of jeans or a pair of pants for school or whatever of course I will do it so I'm being selective with what I say no no and yes to especially what I say yes to has to be you know 30% of her demands um, and asks and requests. And, you know, out of that 30%, most of it will be necessity, but there will be a, a, a good ratio that will be also pleasing her, making her happy, spending time with her, you know. But I am being very strategic about it as well. Um, and so it, I apply the same thing with, with work. I really apply the same thing with work. I have my priorities. I keep my scope of priorities very small the more priorities you have the more likely you are to say yes to things that didn't need to be said yes to um so you know it's worth asking yourself if things are necessary and that's what i do is this necessary many of them are not and a simple no will be so much more productive than whatever work the most efficient person can do. So just ask yourself, could this be a simple no? You know, and I, I mean, very often Gilles is very expendable and it's good because it's a good balance because I'm not. And very often he will be like, do you want to do this? Like this person called and, and I'm like, no, why would I? I don't want to do that. And I just say no. And 
the reason why it's working in our relationship is because it's so expandable and so easy and you know and he also appreciates my productivity and he understood um, that the reason why I'm so productive is definitely because I have a preservation uh, you know a preservation code so he um, understands that that's definitely a tool to making me more productive where it matters for him as well, not just for me or my work or my kids. Um, how often um, you, have you considered saying no to someone you will interact with again in the future? I'm sure you always worry that saying no to this person will cause a problem in the future, a coworker, your spouse, your family, your friends, um, saying no to people, like I said, with the wedding example, it can be really hard because we like them and we want to support them. And not, not to mention that we often need their help too. Um, so collaborating with, with others is, is an important element of life. And I'm not saying I'm not doing it. I just limit it. And so I give myself an allowance of how much I say yes to in these situations. Um, and I don't let the thought of straining the relationship outweigh the commitment of time and energy. At the end of the day, if people that matter to you and you matter to know you well, and they know how productive you need to be at the cost of your health, then if they care about you, and they understand that this is how you function. And very often I've had to explain it to people I'm close to, like my brother and sister, they know this about me. And my nieces and nephews as well, because they know me so well, they know. So they know I'm the aunt that calls the least. But I'm very often the one they're closest to, because when they see me, it's so much love. And when I do send a message, it's, it's so relevant. Um, it's, it's really not letting the fear of straining a relationship outweigh the commitment of your time and energy. The commitment of time and energy should definitely be your main concern if today you want to be productive. Um, so just be gracious in your response. You don't have to be an asshole in your response. I can be, but you don't have to be. You can be warm-hearted and direct when you have to say no. Or like I said, like I do, you can explain how you function and say, I have a ratio of allowance uh, of things I say yes to or commit to because I am saving my energy. I'm on energy saving mode. I've realized that when I didn't do that, I couldn't do it all. And I woke up very tired with dark circles under my eyes and I am not preserving myself. So I'm sorry, I'm going to have to say no. Or if you don't feel like if it's a coworker, you don't feel like explaining that, just be super gracious in your answer, but you're still putting your energy first. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, many of, uh, of us, we often do a poor job of managing the trade-off between yes and no. And we find ourselves overcommitted to things that we don't meaningfully improve or support people around us. Um, and so we certainly don't improve our lives either. So it's definitely something that needs to be looked into. Um, saying no is not a luxury just for people who are in a position of power. Everybody can afford to say no, whether you're an employee, 
whether you're a boss, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, um, saying no is something that you can afford in certain situations. Obviously, if you are a secretary and your boss asks you to type something, you can't say no, but you can control saying no to things that you have the freedom of saying no to. And now we go back to when I was incarcerated. I had not the power. I had no power whatsoever to say no to being incarcerated. So that's why I promised myself that when I would get out, whenever I could exercise my freedom to say no, I will. So this is what's happening. So of course, if someone writes us an email and says, I bought my Simply Inulin yesterday and I want to receive it today. I am going to say no, it's impossible. I'm not going to stress over it. If this person becomes super insistent, super obnoxious about it and entitled, I'm going to refund that person so I can own my power to say no again. Because when they pay me, I cannot say no to them. I have to give them their product. But if I can't give it to them on their terms... Or if I cannot give it my energy to keep on answering their emails, then I will refund that person so I could own the power to say no again. I could own that freedom again. And it's happened many times that we've had very nasty emails because we were delayed. Everyone knows we've been delayed. And we were upfront about it. And this is pretty much why we restructured and fixed the issue and expanded and hired more staff and changed our system. But um, we've had people being very demanding, very energy demanding. And what I said to my staff is if someone becomes extremely problematic and people like to send like six emails when they've decided that they've had enough of waiting, I understand the frustration, but I need my employees to save their energy. So I don't, you know, obviously I don't pitch them the way I do on my podcast. I don't make them sit down and try to impose, you know, my systems on them. But in my company, I do tell my employees very often, those that interact with other people, whether it's suppliers or whatever, I'm like, just hang up. Like not, not customers, but they were times um, you know, where there was issues with a supplier or whatever. And I would look at my staff and say, just hang up, say goodbye. Thank you. Hang up. We'll get someone else. Like this person is taking away from your productivity. I pay you to be productive. I also want you to be healthy. So just hang up. And so with energy consuming, for example, customers, um, very often we choose to refund them because we cannot let them suck up the productivity that we need to satisfy our customers. And, you know, so it's kind of like, it's a thing that I really teach to my staff. I'm like, when an email um, incident occurs, if we cannot immediately make the client happy, um, I mean, obviously, if, if they have their inulin in their hand, we've never had that problem. But if they had their inulin in their hand and they say, yeah, I want a refund or whatever, of course, we would argue it or we would let, you know, a legal professional that works for us take care of it because that's their job and they don't get emotionally involved. But very often, you know, client service staff will get emotionally involved and I will see that it takes away from their productivity. I've given them strict instructions to be on energy saving mode which is, if we can, 
if the product has not left yet, if we can recall it from the carrier, if someone becomes so problematic that you have to do a back and forth via email um, over a product they have not received yet and the only reason that they're able to suck up our energy is because they've paid us, refund them. So you can own the freedom again to be productive. Um, it's it's a way of saying no to distractions and you know things very often that we confuse with priorities or important um, or um, I want to say obligations are only distractions. So you have to become very very quick and intuitive in your decision making of is this a distraction or is it a priority or is it you know everything has potential. The more successful you become the more opportunities will come knocking at your door. So you're going to have to upgrade your no. It doesn't mean you'll never say yes. It means your default to saying no and only say yes. Um, and only say yes when it really makes sense. It's, you have to become more used to saying no than yes. And once you've kind of... Um, you've you finally reached this instinct and intuition of saying no rather than say yes you'll be able to wait it out better like is it distraction or is it you know important um saying no is so powerful because it really preserves the opportunity to say yes uh and it's by an investor called Brent Bishore and he said that saying no is so powerful because it preserves the opportunity to say yes. And as far as I'm concerned, it preserves your health and it makes you more productive and it works way better than any dark circle, under eye dark circle treatment you can purchase. So the general trend seems to be if you can learn to say no to bad distractions, then eventually you learn the right to say no to good opportunities. And I do think that saying yes to so many opportunities will make you not good at one. Saying yes to less good opportunities, saying yes to one good one rather than so many, will make you so excellent at that one good opportunity, which is what I chose to do in my business. You become so productive at that one good opportunity rather than 10 good ones that this is where you'll be successful. And that works in every area of your life, as far as I'm concerned. Um, one last trick that you can ask yourself is, if I had to do this today, would I agree to do it? Like, would you right away get off your, get off your, your chair, get, our, get off your couch, get off anywhere you are, would you get up and just go do it? And if you're like, yeah, probably not right this second, but maybe next week, maybe next month, then at that point, chances are this is a hell no rather than a hell yeah. That is my tips for being on energy saving mode and remaining super healthy, super focused, very fresh and glowy in the morning and being a superhero all day. A businesswoman, a mother, a good friend. Yeah, I managed to still be a good friend. You can ask a few of my friends. Uh, they know that when I give energy to something, it's because I'm giving it my whole heart and it's usually making me much better at what I do, even as a friend. I, I, really, um, I really think that it's, 
the way to look at it. And so you may think that some of this is going to make you come off as an asshole. Um, I think it's going to make you better at what you choose to be doing, for sure. I hope this answered many of the questions that I've received about this, about productivity and how do I have time to do it all. It's really not a question of time. We all... Isn't there an expression like Beyonce and I have the same 24 hours? I wouldn't necessarily choose Beyonce because she has a lot of people working for her. So that's kind of not to say that she's not productive, but I think that um, it, it does affect productivity when you have a ton of people doing shit for you. Like if I had people cooking for me, obviously, I'd, you know, I wouldn't have to say no to as many things as I say no to. Um, but yeah, we all have the same 24 hours. So it's not a question of time. It's how you save your energy and how much that enhances or hurts your productivity and your focus and definitely your health and your waistline. Cortisol levels go up, waistline gets bigger. So, um, you know, it's a win-win in a way. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Let me tell you a little bit of what is happening with Simply Gangster Chic and The Method. A new virtual platform video is being released. It was supposed to be released on Wednesday. But hey, surprise, surprise, because I had so much on my plate, ironically, um, still uh, focusing on, you know, training staff and kind of having my nose in all aspects of my operations. I have not been able to tweak the last few things and now it is ready and going to publication. So it's going to be released on the virtual platform. If you're not a virtual platform member and you want to work out with me, you can get on there right now um, and start with the basic video, which is my most advanced members favorite Either way, we always go back to basics um, and there are six other videos that you can do on the library and um, that are available at all times. So you can work out from home. Um, the links are in the show notes if you want to be a virtual platform member and work out with me. Um, one of them includes our retreat experience, master session with Ella, one of my master instructors, previous client and very good friend and she is so gracious and gorgeous and she is with me on that video um, and it is definitely I think one of my favorite sessions because it is in beautiful Grand Hotel du Cap Ferrat which is the Grand Hotel du Cap which is um, our retreat venue. Our retreat this year starts March 30th until, a until April, 30 April 6th sorry um, and we are fully booked. I think we have one space left. I'm not sure. I think it might have been booked. I'm not sure. You'll have to go check out um, the page. I should know this, but it's, it's kind of like changing every day. Um, what else can I tell you? We are still having some spots open to become an EIP member, an extremely important person membership is available which is an auto ship of simply inulin as i explained at the beginning of this episode and an eip lux box containing real size goodies from the simply gangster chic line we have released our simply call which is the 
uh, mineral eye pencil, not pencil, it's not a pencil, it's a powder, mineral eyeliner, uh, which has amazing benefits for your eyes and also gives you this gorgeous, exotic, mystical eyes of beautiful women from the Middle East and Morocco. Um, this one is from Morocco. Uh, what else can I tell you? So the EIP, I was saying, sorry, I got sidetracked. I was so excited to speak about the Simply Whole. Um, the EIP, the reason why I said it still has some available spots is because we only allow to have 150 EIPs at a time. And that's because we want to give the best service possible. And so we kept it at an we kept it at a number that we can easily manage operation-wise. So at this time, I think there are just a few spots open. And then every month when someone's EIP expires, because it's a three-month um, three membership. So when someone's three months is up, we open that spot for someone else to take it. Or they might renew it so fast that someone else won't have the opportunity. But right now, there are some spots open if you want to become an EIP. Um, the link is in the, is in the, um, is in the show notes as well. Um, what else? I think that's pretty much it. Oh, we have authorized retailers, new authorized retailers for you. If you are in New York, we are at the bar method, the bar method on the upper West side. So it's on Broadway on the upper West side. And we are also in New Jersey at their bar method, Ridgewood uh, studio. So you can find Simply Annual in there. They're already stocked up. They keep on restocking. It's selling out super fast. And I'm so excited because New York is my hometown. Um, we also have some resellers in authorized resellers, retailers, I should say, in Florida. We have um, Flutter Boutique, which is in Stewart, Florida. We have My Sexy Veggies, mysexyveggies.com who ships simply in Yulin all over Florida. She's our only authorized retailer who can ship all over the state. Um, and we have as well Fit by Nix. And we will put her information, Nicole's, um, Nikki's information on the show notes as well. So you can reach out to her. And she is in my actual hometown where I grew up, North Miami Beach. I've, uh, I, I moved to New York when I was... Uh, I think 18 years old so it's become my hometown by adoption but really I'm from Florida so from Miami North Miami Beach uh, and I'm very excited to be represented by fit by next there um, we have a new authorized retailer in Chicago I am so excited nomad is a concept shop and concept shop and coffee shop that is opening this month and they're already launching with our line there so if you're in Chicago make sure you make it to the opening day they are already stocked up with simply Newlin. I don't know what day they're opening I'm wondering if it's not this coming week um, but they're definitely um, a new authorized retailer in Chicago and it's going to be a magnificent shop I mean they've been already sharing all of the construction that they've done if you're in Chicago go visit them um who else am I forgetting if you're in Denmark we are represented by Jeremy Simply You my good friend and she is fantastic she's an Anne's health journey on Instagram we will also link her in um the show notes did I say in bio before show notes, not bio. 
Um, who else do we have? We have Flutter. We have a few more. We're going to be... Oh, we are in San Diego as well. How could I forget that? My amazing, beautiful friend, Kim Kelly at her studio, Kim Kelly Studio. Um, you can go and get your inulin. They're stocked up in San Diego. And we will be in Beverly Hills at Pellicure probably by next week. Uh, so very excited about that. Pellicure is owned by my very good friend Anna. She is fantastic. Uh, the Kardashians go there. I mean, she's, she gets, uh, I think, um, she, she gets a lot of celebrities, but more importantly, she is the absolute best at what she does. Um, and so I am honored to have my new in there. So Beverly Hills coming up and a few more coming up. We have also a huge announcement coming up. Um, we're going to be in an e on an e-commerce website uh, that everybody knows loves luxury e-commerce website, one of the biggest um, worldwide. So very excited to announce that very soon. I've given some very good hints um, and given it away on, on Instagram. So if you follow, follow me, you definitely know who and what I'm talking about. Um, other than that, I think that's all the news that uh, I needed to give you so on this note i wish you a beautiful day and if you're listening today i wish you a beautiful weekend from lovely lovely sunny monaco